When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on the Everything 80s Podcast, Boglins, the Jim Henson-inspired toy. Over here, I'm a Boglin. Me and my buddies need a place to hide out. <laughs> Come a little closer. Oh, did I scare you? Oh, I do that so well. If you take us home, we'll kiss your aunt Martha. <laughs> we'll eat your peas. And we hope you know lots of girls. Hey there, what's happening? Welcome back to the Everything 80s Podcast. I'm Jamie. Thanks for coming on out today. And this is a topic you might not know of, Boglin's the toy. It might trigger a memory. You might not ever have heard of this. It's a toy from the 80s, but it's an interesting story with its... You don't even have to be a fan of the toy or understand it. It's an interesting story in regards to its connections to Jim Henson, Fraggle Rock, and what can happen when actual creative people and, you know, coming from Jim Henson down can be involved in the creation of a certain toy. So it's an interesting story from sort of all aspects. So we'll get to that in a sec. If you haven't already, before we start, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts, pretty much everywhere. I think I should be there. Okay, let's get to this. So this is the whole premise of the show that not a lot of toys as creative they, as they are don't necessarily always come from a creative background and are designed by true actual artists. So with the Boglins, we're looking at, you might have to look this up, uh, just Google it just to get an idea of the image, but the Boglins were a line of hand puppet monster toys and they came out in 1987. They were created by a guy named Tim, Tim Clark who worked with Jim Henson on things like the Dark Crystal and Fraggle Rock. And the thing with Boglins is they looked and felt like actual high quality movie props. So this is some, like with this podcast and everything, I'm looking back on a lot of, you know, interesting topics, whether it's toys, movies, cartoons, music, whatever. And, you know, we're looking at a lot of the classic toys, obviously, like, you know, covered things like Transformers and He-Man and Boglins are something I didn't know I missed until they sort of sprung back into mind. I, I was obsessed with these, but I honestly don't think I'd thought about them in 30 plus years. And I just stumbled upon them as, as, you know, just researching different toys, you know, for the blog, like for the podcast and the blog and everything like that. And it, it honestly stopped me in my tracks because I was, I, I couldn't believe something I was so enamored with had completely slipped from my memory and just didn't take up any place in my relatively empty head, which was, you know, filled with those other things like G.I. Joe or He-Man and whatever. And I, I wondered why the Boglins didn't, you know, stake their own claim there. But, you know, what we're looking at here is a real true extension of Jim Henson and who, you know, I'm not alone. I loved everything he did, even the cube. If you don't know the cube, look it up on YouTube. <laughs> 
So with the Boglins, it's again, it's that perfect combination of a toy that was unique and allowed you to be creative. And if you were a relatively creative kid, something like the Boglins, I think like me personally really captured the imagination and it was like bringing Jim Henson magic home with you. It didn't feel like a cheap knockoff toy. Like so many things did. These things seem like they were straight out of labyrinth or the dark crystal. I know I owned one, but I can't remember much more about it. I don't, did I lose it? Did I get tired of playing with it? Did I move on to something more interesting? But you know, this is a look back on a remarkably creative toy that just didn't really last the Boglins. So Again, this is a hand puppet type toy that had a goblin type theme to it. They're made of flexible rubber and this allowed them to be manipulated to make for more expressive movements that you could control like a real Muppet or puppet. Your hand would control the mouth so you could act out speech and the flexible rubber allowed for them to actually change facial expressions. So they were made of an artificial rubber, a specific rubber called uh, Kraton, K-R-A-T-O-N, or Kraton. I'm not sure how that was pronounced. Pronounced, and the first models that came out had uh, this, you know, lifelike rubber texture and also glow-in-the-dark green eyes. And anything that has glow-in-the-dark, you know, associated with it is generally always amazing. Again, hopefully you know what I'm talking about. You might not. You might have, and you maybe, hopefully, had experienced one, but you. If you did, you remember they felt, like I mentioned, like a legit movie prop, which is a rarity compared to other toys of of the 80s, you know. And what also made them interesting is they were a standalone toy. That meant there wasn't a cartoon show. There wasn't a comic book. There wasn't uh, any form of media used to launch them. They ex- They simply existed as the Boglins. And in the 80s, this just did not happen as, you know, most... TV shows that you watch, you know, we didn't realize at the time, but looking back, you were watching, you know, whether it was My Little Pony, Transformers, G.I. Joe, you're watching a 22 minute commercial to sell and introduce the toys and then to continue the line. So with a toy like Boglins, they're actually very rare and the creative component really drove the purpose and intent behind them. So other things with the with these actual puppets, you could manipulate the eyes with your fingers to move them side to side. And I remember vividly the tips of my fingers and fingernails hurting from moving them around. I don't know if you've ever, I got a chance once, uh, it was a, I forget where it was, and it was the chance to actually hold a real animal from the Muppets, um, Muppet. Like, you know, not one of the actual ones that had been used on screen or anything like that, but one that was, you know, the actual sort of thing and created properly. And that was part of it that you could control the eyes and stuff inside and then manipulate Um, the face and everything like that. So it takes, you know, a lot of skill. So that was what was pretty amazing with these Boglins is you could do the same sort of thing. And again, I don't know if you did this either. And this, all this stuff is coming back, looking into it that I remember kids using your hands and linking your fingers together to create like a hand puppet, like a hand Boglin. I don't even remember that. Like you would link your fingers around. So you would have like the mouth that would move and, um, your pinky fingers would be sort of the ears and eyes. I don't know if that's a deep cut. I just remember kids showing everyone at school, if you put together um, your hands basically together like you were praying, cross your ring fingers on the opposite hand, then take the index fingers and stretch them backwards around the lower ring, ring fingers and rest it on top of the middle fingers. Your thumbs would come together underneath as the mouth and then 
you know, the pinkies would be the ears. So <laughs> probably just me, but we'll move on here. So looking at the development of the Boglins, I mentioned this guy, Tim Clark, and he started out working on Fraggle Rock. So the 80s could unofficially be known as the tiny monster era. You had a lot of monster-based movies, you know, like Gremlins, Ghostbusters, Critters, Ghoulies, um, and then along with the Jim Henson classics like Labyrinth and the Dark Crystal. Uh, Toy-wise, you had things like My Pet Monster, you had the Garbage Pail Kids, you had Monster Cereals. There was just this market for slimy monster-based toys for kids, and Boglins was able to capitalize on that market, albeit for a short time. So, again, Tim Clark... He worked along with um, someone named Maureen Trotto and Larry Mass, and they were the ones that brought Boglins to life. I actually reached out and, and talked to Tim Clark. I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so he, like Clark's a legit puppet and Muppet designer, and he worked on Dark Crystal as well as Fraggle Rock. He also worked on Sesame Street and even on The Muppet Show. He was the one who created Uncle Traveling Matt, which blows my mind. Um you know, an iconic Muppet character. So this guy is in the heart of it during like the golden age of Muppets. He He's one making these things happen and then operating them and designing and creating. So, you know, Tim Clark, along with these others, they're, you know, they're masters of puppetry and they loved working in the medium so much. And they thought that this love should be brought into the toy world. They brought the idea to Jim Henson, who was reported to have loved it. But, you know, again, this is the golden age of uh, when the, all things the Muppets are at their prime. So he had zero time to work on this. If you think, you know, what was this, 1987, you know, with um, all these different Muppet movies and, and the Muppet show and and then these spinoff movies like Labyrinth and all that sort of stuff, like he has zero time. But since Henson thought it was a great idea, it provided real motivation for Clark to start working on this. So it starts with a toy line called The Sectors. And Clark has just finished up on Fraggle Rock, but he kept working with Henson and created some props, you know, for various commercials with some of these other people he worked alongside. So while this is going on, they started to dabble in toy creation and they were able to team up with a toy agent named Larry Moss. What they came up with was some bug puppets that kids could control with their hands that also had action figures riding on top. These were the sectors. I don't know if you remember these at all. They were based on a fly puppet glove that Clark had designed for a Jim Henson Halloween party. Jim Henson would always throw these elaborate holiday-based parties, and Halloween was obviously like the cream of the crop. And so they would have themes and creations and things created specifically for the parties. And um, Tim Clark would be one of the pe- a lot of people would be involved, but he'd be one of the main ones to come up with designs and creations for uh, Henson's Halloween parties. So the sectors are put out in 1985 by Coleco, and were based on a planet called Symbion, where bugs and insects had grown to frightening proportions. The human inhabitants had also taken on bug-like characteristics, and that's why they rode on top of the bug puppets. So the sectors have a very creative backstory. They came with, I remember these very well, these mini comic comic books that expanded out the universe. They were really good, and they had an animated miniseries, actually, that lasted five episodes, and then they put out an eight-issue limited uh, comic series that Marvel actually created. So the puppet aspect of the bugs would end up inspiring what the Boglins would become. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So Clark is seeing the possibility of creating actual hand puppets that could be put out for sale so kids could get this experience of working with puppets and Muppets, and he noticed the potential of using foam latex to make them more lifelike and usable. Because, you know, if you're going to create these things and, and create the experience to take home, you had to get it right. Like to, to create a crappy knockoff does complete disservice to the whole idea. So he gets his inspiration for the idea with the heads and, you know, making them lifelike and usable from the Olmec colossal heads from ancient Mexico. You hopefully you can picture the ones I'm talking about. And those helped influence the first Boglin. So the focus of the whole toy was the head, but it did have some smaller additional arms, ears, and a tail to go along with the gruesome face. They didn't want to make a full puppet because that was going to be tougher, uh, more cost prohibitive. The price would have been through the roof. So the focus was on the actual head and where all the expression and um, the real, I mean, I guess, creativity revolved around the actual heads so clark used his ingenuity from his jim henson days to create a simple mechanism that would allow control of the eyes and also the ability for the boglin's hand to grab something so he's you know this guy is a master puppeteer and again like i said he's worked on the most iconic muppet movies ever and you know he didn't he didn't cut corners, but he knew how to make things work and also to, you know, keep them sort of cost effective. So all all his skills and um, experience go into this. He's finally happy with the design and they brought it forward to Coleco. So Coleco liked the idea of the Boglins, but they wanted to make changes to it, including a full body, which was a problem. And they also wanted the Boglins to be part of that sector line, but they ended up dropping the sectors and, basically the Boglins with it. Okay, so Coleco is out of the running. So then that guy Moss, he took the Boglins to Mattel, who loved them. So this is, now we're getting into 1987. And like I mentioned, gross-out monster-based things are pretty big in 1987, including Mad Balls, which I've covered on this show, Gremlins, again, Garbage Pail Kids, which I've covered, the the movie, the cards, the whole thing. So these are all you know, a lot of these gross out monster things are very commonplace. So it was very easy for Mattel to see a promise in them. So now they put together the release and one thing that really helps sell them. And that's the amazing packaging. Again, if you don't know the Boglins, you're just going to have to like do a Google image search to get an idea of what the whole package and thing look like. So again, what, this is what's really cool with what ended up on the shelves in 1987 was not that far off from what was originally created. And that is never the case with toys. What you get on the shelves is usually, except in the case of a few things, um, say like Transformers or, or whatever, like you're not getting what the original idea was. They, they, you know, they find it's too expensive to make. They got to cut certain things out. And, and but what if, so Boglins ended up being what they intended. The only thing that was scrapped was the grabbing hand I mentioned that actually could physically grab stuff because it was just too expensive to produce. It would drive up the cost of production, take longer to produce, and again, right, increases the retail price. So they come out in 1987, and the first release includes three different size Boglins named Dwork, Vlob, and Drool. And 
an awesome commercial. You heard it at the start of the show. You might want to YouTube it just to check it out. And that commercial was released. And what maybe lifted, I think, the prominence of the whole thing was the incredible packaging the Boglins came in. It, it was a, it came in a box that resembled a jail cell, and that included some bent bars in the front. The bars could be pulled up from the top of the packaging to release the Boglin. The box itself looked like a wooden crate to make it look like they had been shipped from the swamp they were discovered in. So there's actually a backstory with this, and the fictional story printed on the back of the box showed the field notes of a Boglin researcher who has developed the field of bogology. All these years later, and I never made the connection that these things came out of a bog. It was right there in the name. And again, that was more about me being an idiot kid. So the packaging served a few purposes. It was a display box for the toy, but it was also interactive as there was a hole in the bottom of the box. So you could control the boglin, making it part packaging, part playset. And that was another thing because they needed to let people know how sort of functional and usable these things were in the stores. If you could just see it through the packaging, you know, like a Teddy Ruxpin and, you know, without any sort of demonstration of how it worked, there wouldn't be as much, you know, interaction in that sense and um, promise of how good this toy is. So that was very important that these things could be kind of tested out beforehand in the store. So looking at the impact uh, what kind of impact did the Boglins have? And like I said, for me personally, a lot. The 80s were this combination of gross-out humor and monsters, and Boglins were both of these things combined. They were a pretty big hit, uh, hit right out of the gate. And then, you know, various different lines would come out. They would have larger Boglins. They would have a smaller line. The smaller line were known as Boglinus min- Minimus. And in the early release, they included characters such as Squidge, Schlump, Schlurp, Sponk, Squawk, and Squeal. They would also release Halloween-themed ones and various other versions such as Aquatic Boglins. So they had a big impact, uh, albeit for a very short few years in the U.S., but in the U.K., they were an even bigger hit, and they were distributed by toy company Ideal. The toy line had exploded there and they would release even more variations on the original. So if you're from the UK, maybe you remember this. And if you grew up in the 80s, the line lasted all the way till 1994, which is a pretty good run for a toy, uh, especially in the 80s. Because, you know, with all these iconic um, golden age toys again, to make a dent in that market is pretty substantial. So the fact like in the UK that they lasted for that long is, uh, is amazing. But again, as all toy fads go, they did uh, fade away. Then we're looking now at the future Boglins. So Mattel, this is all stuff I'd been learning that I did not know existed till this research, but Mattel re-released the Boglins in the year 2000. This time, however, they introduced some new variations that were bigger and actually electronic to sort of expand these out even more. These could now, uh, like they could talk, they could stick their tongue out, they could spit water. They made another return in 2017 in a licensing deal with Steve Towns and Clutter Magazine in limited run batches that had been geared more towards the collector market this time because there was a bit of, you know, nostalgia that uh, went through with them. So like I said, I was in touch with, Tim Clark. So I emailed him. Hopefully at some point I'll I'll actually have him on the show. Just, you know, not just about the Boglins, but the amazing work this guy's done 
with Jim Henson and, and with the Muppets and on all these iconic shows and movies. So, you know, just talking, um, you know, by email, I found out he runs uh, a website called totims.com. So T-O-T-I-M-S.com. And this is an amazing website where you can buy newly created Boglins. And these are all designed by Tim. You can buy older versions, uh, limited ones he's come up with, like specific, his own creations. The site also includes uh, you, the sec doors you can buy and some limited, like amazing limited edition collector's items from Fraggle Rock and the Dark Crystal. So check that out, totims.com, T-O-T-I-M-S.com, and like some incredible stuff. I have no connection or whatever. It's just from talking to him and learning how he's still involved in this whole thing. So if you're interested in anything to do with Muppets, uh, especially Fraggle Rock and Boglins, check that site out. Okay, let's start winding it down here. So this is an interesting story. These Boglins are a -a once-in-a-lifetime toy that really should have had a longer existence. If you're a fan of Jim Henson or Muppets, this is the one time you could get something that was directly connected with Jim Henson and created by the people that he trusted to create his Muppet world. And you could buy one of these things. It is pretty amazing. Like with most toys, they are thought up by the market research team. They're created by, you know, toy designers with the idea of making them as um, minimally as possible to still be able to charge a good price, obviously. Um, you know, that means limiting the features and whatever. But with Boglins, you had something creative created by creative people. You're The thing that I found amazing, you were only one step away from Jim Henson himself when you had one of these Boglins toys. And you're using a toy that was created by people from his team that had created the exact same things you had watched so many times on TV before. And I, I just think that's amazing. I don't think that's really existed in in a, a commercially made toy. It, it's what, to me, makes them stand out more than probably any other toy, especially from the 80s. They look like legit movie props, and they seems like you could have just taken them, thrown them in the actual filming, and no one would know the difference. You could take them from the store shelf to the film, and they would be seamless. For kids who had a big attachment to Henson and all his creativity, myself included, it was, again, it was like getting that piece of him in the movies to take home with you. Boglins really appealed to creative kids, and it seems cliche, but they just don't make any toys like that anymore. I feel like something like this could maybe work again today because they'd be able to promote it so much better and they'd be able to create more uh, stories behind it or like, you know, social media accounts or YouTube channels where you could see the design process and you could see the influence. And I I think they could really expand that and grow it out. But, you know, like I said, they still exist on totems.com and you can have that little connection to the past. So I'll finish it here. That's Boglins. Hopefully you found this interesting. If you did remember them, uh, hopefully it really (laughs) sparked you up. If this is a whole new topic, you can see why it's pretty interesting. So, you know, look at some more, like check out those old commercials and um, you know, check out Tim Clark's work and, and just read more about him if you want as well, too, just to see the amazing stuff he did. Okay, that's it for me again. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you find your podcast. I should be there. I'm done for now, but I'll talk to you soon. Bye.